Happy New Year. It's 2024, and we hope that you started your new year off blessed, and it's going to be prosperous moving forward. Well, with the new year, you know, here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, it's the start of our new General Assembly session. That's right. It's 2024 Virginia General Assembly. And to help us discuss and to kick this off, our General Assembly series is none other than NSU alum, Delegate Cliff Hayes Jr. It's State of the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. Stay tuned as we discuss the 2024 Virginia General Assembly. Welcome back. It's State of the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. Once again, we want to wish you a happy, happy new year. We hope that your 2023 ended very well and that you're starting 2024 off just the way that you wanted it to. Also, I'd like to wish all of my brothers of Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated a happy Founders Day, which we celebrated on last Friday, J5. So, yo, to all my brothers of Cap Alpha Psi. You know, once again, we have a phenomenal, phenomenal Commonwealth and a lot of great things happening here in our great state. And one great thing that we have all the time is our we kick off our General Assembly. And January starts the first session, uh, really in the country, of legislative sessions. And we know, as Virginia goes, so does the country. So for the past several years, I've been fortunate enough to do uh, the General Assembly series. You know, of course, we have our election series, which all of you were uh, heard, and we had candidates and talked about the issues and things really happening in the community. And then our election recap, and we follow track the election and, and also post-election and finding out exactly what's going to happen or trying to predict what's going to happen in the new year. Well, the year is up on us, and now it's time to really get down to it. And to kick it off, once again, we have our good friend, NSU alum, Cliff Hayes Jr., delegate here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Delegate Hayes, Happy New Year to you, and thank you, and welcome to the State of Water. Well, Happy New Year to you as well, Dr. Claville, and to the NSU family and all over the land of Sparta. We're excited to be here once again with you. Uh, as we head into another session. So thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. You know, you and I were talking prior to the show, and I said, you know, I think we've done this uh, for the past couple of years. I mean, you've been, number one, a great friend and a phenomenal, phenomenal alum of the institution. A great example of what, what's being a Spartan is all about, uh, not just in your legislative career, but also in your professional career. And, uh yeah, I think we kicked it off with you as well last year. So, look, I think this is because of tradition now. So, <laughs> so listeners, <laughs> get prepared to hear this this brother, you know, on air to really talk about the real issues coming up. Absolutely. It's a blessing to be able to be in this role uh, and to be in a posture and a position to give back uh, to our beloved Norfolk State University. Um, I constantly remind folks that one of the vivid memories of uh, walking off the field as I played baseball for the Spartans and we won the CIAA championship in baseball and Dick Price said all we ask is that you throw the rope back mm. so that's what we're here for we're here to do all we can for our communities and to make sure that we throw the rope back absolutely you know and that look 
that's wisdom within itself. You know, that's that's a show within itself, you know, throwing the road back and ensuring that, you know, we not only make it, but we bring those across. And you've definitely been an example of one throwing the road back as well. Look, I listen, I, I want to get into it because, you know, we it's 2024. And it was a battle in 2023, <laughs> so, you know, but but before we look forward, I want to do a recap, of, you know, to talk about, you know, the the election that you had and the historic position that we have that it yielded in the General Assembly. I mean, we had a rejoin of the districts. You were District 77, now you're District 91, you know, <laughs> you know, yep. you know, and it's a similar area, but, you know, same a lot of the same issues, but you're representing a different different group, uh, different constituency, but still you were elected to a new district and reelected as a delegate. Uh, so just tell us how that entire process is for you as an individual, as a candidate, as a family man, how that a businessman, how that impacted you. And and then also, you know, how historic it was and what it yielded for us as African-Americans. Sure. Uh, Dr. Cleville, I'll just start by saying it's an honor to serve uh, in an area that we uh, consider home. And so um, basically um, the area in which I represent, I'm blessed to represent because it's an area that my father grew up in, my grandmother uh, lived in, uh, my grandfather, my wife's uh, grandparents. Uh, my wife's parents, uh, my wife grew up in, um, it's, it's, it's home <laughs> at the core of this district. Um, and so it's, it's a high honor uh, to find myself in a position fighting for an area that fought so hard to give us opportunities as kids, uh, as families uh, growing up in the same area. And so uh, we consider it um, uh, a debt that's owed to so many people who uh, carved out pathways for us to have opportunities to flourish um, as families, as individuals. Uh, and so it's, it's our duty to make sure that you know, those who are living and growing up in the area, that they have the same opportunities, if not, if not more. Yeah. And so... Um, the area in which I represent, as I said before, has only shifted a little bit. Mm-hmm. As they have t- taken me out of um, the College Park area of Virginia Beach, and just like massaging a water balloon, we push down on one side, uh, it moves on the boundaries on the other side. So as they move the district out of College Park, it did move into parts of Portsmouth, uh, Cavalier Manor area of Portsmouth, Crystal Lake, uh, Hodges, um, Ferry, Elizabeth Manor, over in that area of of Portsmouth. And so 85% of the district is in Chesapeake, northern end of Chesapeake. 15% of the district is now in uh, the city of Portsmouth. And uh, the, the great thing about that, though, is um, the characteristics of the new uh, ad addition to the district 
uh, are pretty much the same characteristics in neighborhood, of neighborhoods um, that I've always represented. So it's nothing new there. Uh, we're excited about uh, who we're fighting for and will continue to fight for um, and just excited, excited about it. Absolutely. And again, one thing about you, you are a fighter for your people, the constituency that you work for. And again, for your great NSU uh, as our as your alma mater, you know, but the election itself was just not a success for you, but it was really a success for a lot of your colleagues and African-Americans. Talk about the impact or the historic uh, positions and, and designations and appointments that the election really provided for African-Americans in the General Assembly in the history of the Commonwealth. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I'd be remiss if I did not mention as I graduated and came out um, in that last year or so, just fighting for and working hard as we were taught uh, to get people elected, even as college students. And so um, at that time, then uh, governor-elect uh, Doug Wilder had come by the campus, and we had sat down with President uh, Harrison B. Wilson and a group of students, uh, some of the leadership amongst the student government and the NAACP. And I posed a question to him and asked him, well, out of this role of formerly serving as a senator and now you'll be serving as the governor, what's your most important part of your job? And I'll never forget uh, uh, then uh, Governor-elect responded by saying, um, it's good to have represented the people fighting for a piece of the pie. He said, but one of the most important decisions and, and, and opportunities that we have and responsibilities that we have is serving over the resources of the Commonwealth and deciding where they will go. So not only will we be fighting for a piece of the pie, it's even better when you have your hand on the knife when the pie is being cut. <laughs> so, so, so all that to say, uh, I'm a, a triple excited about the fact that we need to watch the circuit breaker because when Don Scott and Louise Lucas walk in the room, uh, there is enormous power that will be in the Virginia General Assembly. And so it's all coming, that power from one jurisdiction of the city of Portsmouth, and people need to recognize mm -hmm. um, that Hampton Roads is going to be well represented going into this General Assembly session, not only fighting for legislation for all across the Commonwealth, but just know it's time for Hampton Roads to get its new share uh, of the piece of the pie. And in the House of Delegates, we have uh, the Speaker of the House, the first black Speaker of the House, in the General Assembly's 100, I'm sorry, 400 plus yes. years yes. Of, ex of existence. So for 400 years, this is the first <laughs> black man to serve 
or first African-American period to serve as the Speaker of the House, who will decide who becomes the chair of the House Appropriations Committee and where the money will go. I'm a member of that committee, and I'm proud to be a member, and I think it's exciting to be a member. But the Speaker has appointed another African-American male uh, and delegate pastor uh, chairman Luke Torian. And so Luke will oversee and be the committee chairman on the House side of the money committee of appropriations. And on the Senate side, uh, we have uh, President Pro Tem and Senator L. Louise Lucas, who uh, will also serve as the chair of Senate Finance. Um, so on that side of the House, you will have her hand on the knife as the pie is being cut. And so that being the case, uh, again, we look forward to Hampton Rose getting its share of attention and uh, investment of the Commonwealth resources. Hampton Rose is now the center of legislative power here in the Commonwealth, Virginia. It's Stay the Warner. I'm your host, Dr. Eric LaVille. You're joining us for our very first show of 2024 as we start our series for the Virginia 2024 General Assembly Legislative Session. Joining us, you have we have with us NSU alum and delegate of District 91, Delegate Cliff Hayes, Jr., Delegate Hayes, you know, as we as we start this session, it, it kicks off on, on Wednesday. Uh, of course, a lot of the pre-filing bills have taken place and a lot of discussions immediately after the election. But as we move forward, what are what's some what's on your legislative agenda? Uh, what committees are you chairing and a part of? And what do you think are some issues that are really facing Virginians that this General Assembly, which is Democratic controlled, by the way, both the House and also the the Senate, is going to tackle? Well, I think uh, you can look forward to um, some of the key areas of focus for Democrats, as we always have. And that is, uh, as my father used to say, uh, pay attention to the OJs. Um, (laughs) uh, They had a hit that used to be out as he popped the eight-track tape in back in the day to say, got to give the people what they want. And so it's important for us to understand what people are asking for and to deliver on what it is that the people are asking for and give them what they want. Well, uh, the people want uh, better paying jobs and access to those jobs. And so you'll see the Democrats continue our fight uh, for the minimum wage increase here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, you'll be reminded that the last time that we were in control, we changed the laws of Virginia and passed a law to say that the uh, minimum wage would go up. And then on top of that, index it with the cost of living. So uh, now, uh, we've moved from in 2021, I think it was 725 to 950 an hour. Then the 22, it went up to uh, 11, and then 23 to 12, and then 
Uh, now we'll make sure that we um, uh, reenact that and go ahead and take it to $15 an hour and uh, beyond because from here on out, it will be indexed to the CPI uh, uh, cost uh, living index to make sure that we don't fall behind with with that uh, going forward here in the Commonwealth and pay people uh, a decent wage um, that they can live off. So we all know nobody can really raise a family and live off of seven twenty five an hour. No, absolutely not. And, and and that was absurd and uh, pretty um, uh, devastating, I think, in a lot of ways for families to be forced to to be living and trying to raise a family under those conditions and having to have uh, four and sometimes five part-time jobs trying to uh, assemble the pie together for your family. So um, that's a, a major issue that we'll take up this time. We'll do the reenactment and then uh, the indexing of the minimum wage to make sure uh, that it continues to be raised um, as the cost of living goes up. Uh, when it comes to our schools and education, we want to make sure that we're paying our teachers what they're worth um, and to get that above uh, where it is now. Uh, we've done some great work and given them historic raises, if you will, uh, in the past, but we can do even better. It's important for us to look at the budget and look at the resources that we have and to raise those wages for our teachers and our educators uh, even more to make sure that there's funding available for our education system, not only uh, in the way of wages, but support staff, um, as well as taking a look at our aged and crumbling infrastructure uh, of our schools. How is it that we might be able to assist uh, some of the school districts in that regard? Uh, when it comes to criminal justice reform, we'll continue to make sure that there's equity in uh, enforcement of the law and equity in our court systems. Of course, we'll make sure that that is the case uh, as well. And uh, in terms of health care and health overall, that we do some things to uh, make sure that there's balance and equity there. Uh, one of the bills I'll be championing, along with Senator Mamie Locke, another leader in the Senate and member of the Virginia Legislative Black Caucus, along with uh, my good friend and uh, dear colleague and brother, uh, Nadarius Clark, we'll all be fighting for uh, a bill to deal with um, implicit bias, unconscious bias uh, in the healthcare system to make sure that um, we try to close the gap on maternal health and the disparities that exist in that space. Um, when it comes to uh, economic uh, prosperity and development, we want to make sure that uh, their investment in our districts and our corner of the Commonwealth as well. Uh, when it comes to toll relief, uh, many people will understand what tolls will mean here in the Hampton Roads and 
a fortress, if you will, of uh, tolls that have been placed around some of our localities and how difficult it is for everyday people to kind of traverse um, between Portsmouth and Norfolk. Um, there are tolls all around uh, the city of Portsmouth, and there ought to be some toll relief uh, for the folks here in Hampton Roads. And so uh, with the leadership that I've mentioned on the money committees uh, and L, Senator L. Louise Lucas, chair of Senate Finance, Don Scott being the um, Speaker of the House, Mamie Locke in leadership on the Senate side, uh, myself on this side on appropriations, we're going to make sure uh, that we do all we can to provide relief uh, for those in Hampton Roads when it comes to these tolls and other investments uh, for that matter. When it comes to our HBCUs, uh, please understand that we will do all we can for our HBCUs to make sure that they get their share of funding uh, and, you know, personally, I believe we have some catching up to do. So not only do we need to invest in them now, but we need to invest in a way that will represent uh, a trajectory towards trying to get us on a path to grow our investments in our HBCUs, not just for one-time uh, investments. So that might come in a way of um, – operations and uh, on the operations side, raising the um, Commonwealth's uh, budget for our, uh, HBCUs, but also in the way of capital and the uh, buildings that we have on our campuses and the needs that we have on our campuses. Listen, I can tell you we've grown as a university at Norfolk State University under leadership, great leadership over the years, and certainly today under Dr. J. But um, when is the last time we've had a new dining facility? We have more housing, we have more students, um, but we don't have the dining facilities to grow along with that. The same number of dining facilities, which are two, um, has been the case going back to when I was in school some few years ago in the 90s. And we haven't added, <laughs> and we have done no adding additional uh, uh, dining facilities and dormitory housing facilities mm -hmm. need to be added, added to uh, even today. Um, there needs to be more wellness and health-related uh, facilities on our campus for the, for the students, for our, um, um, the athletes and students that are here on campus as well. Um, so we'll, we'll see during this semester um, uh, how we can uh, put a shoulder to the wheel and get out and push this budget in the direction of our HBCUs, not only Norfolk State, but uh, making sure our other state-run uh, HBCU at Virginia State and even those uh, who are doing some amazing work at Hampton and VCU, other HBCUs, to try to see how we can help invest in those ways as well. Absolutely. Well, listen, I, I hear agenda packed with helping everyday people. 
you know, and I remember going all the way back to the McCullough and the Northern administration. Um, I mean, the Democrats really, I mean, when you look at the focus of policies, look at the focus of, of actually what is put forth and what's championed, it's really focused on everyday people. You know, from expanding the right to vote to, you mentioned, relief for the tolls and criminal justice reform and increasing the minimum wage. I mean, that all benefits the everyday man. So, again, you know, less, less, it's, once again, elections do have consequences. And if you put people in office that are focused on you, you get you results or results for you. Speaking of elections having consequences, you know, one thing about the Commonwealth of Virginia, we have an important election every single year. But not just the Commonwealth of Virginia, but it's 2024. And that means there's a presidential election coming up. And right after that, there is a gubernatorial election coming up in 2025. You know, but there's a lot of talk about, you know, persons not being happy, you know, disgruntled with the current administration or maybe a policy that didn't they didn't act upon or haven't acted or acted upon yet uh, when they first got elected. Talk to us about the importance of not just continuing to be engaged in voting, but also being engaged in the General Assembly now as it relates to elections having consequences. Absolutely. So uh, one of the things I try to remind folks of is that when you're voting, you're not voting for a valentine. Right. You're not looking for someone that you can fall in love with, but you are looking for amongst the choices that you have, whose policies are going to best align with what you believe. And so you have an option. You have a choice to vote for amongst those that are on the ballot. And it's up to us to educate ourselves on the issues, on the individuals to see which issues and which individuals representing the issues that are closely aligned with what we believe ought to get my vote. There's a lot of things um, that go into this thing we call life, Um, this thing that gives us the opportunity to make a difference uh, while we're here. And the truth is, uh, just as sure as we're born, we're going to die. And the question is, what is it that we will do to make life better for somebody else between that dash? And while we're here, we ought to be trying to improve the lives of others while we're here. We can do that by voting for people with principles, with uh, policies that will make lives better for people, as opposed to aligning the pockets of those who don't even really believe they, they, in some instances, don't even ask. And then we break our necks trying to see what we can do to give tax breaks to the most wealthy folks uh, when they're not even needing it and they're not even asking for it. So uh, as I said earlier, let's make sure that we're doing as the OJs reminded us that we got to give the people what they want. <laughs> and you know what? I think that's a great word to end on. Giving the people what they want and also what they need to be great citizens of this society. Once again, my good friend, Delegate Cliff Hayes, NSU alum, 
representing now District 91 here in the Commonwealth, Virginia. Listen, good luck to you in the session. Of course, I'll be seeing you in the halls of of, of the General Assembly uh, very often uh, as we're up there advocating for Norfolk State University. But again, I want to thank you for all that you do, all that you do for the institution, for all that you do for the Commonwealth and do for your district. And we hope to have you back very soon. And we'd be glad to come back anytime. Just always remember to be whole. The green and go. Absolutely. And that ends our show. So continue to join, continue to tune in and listen. As always, be good, be blessed, and we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Carrie Washington, and you're listening to State of the Water with award-winning host, Dr. Eric Claville.